Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome to She's All Over the Place. I am so excited you're here and tuning in. Today, we are with the one and only Jeffrey Wu. Jeffrey started a brand called HVMN, and it's all about health, wellness, and nootropics. And he has a partner. He went to Stanford. And with no further ado, let's introduce him and have him in. Hey, Jeffrey, how you doing? Hey, doing great, Katie. Uh, really happy to be on, the, on, on this program. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It really means a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy times, but I think more than ever, people want to connect, learn about just interesting things. And I think being in the human performance space, especially biohacking, I think metabolic health, improving immunity, just keeping sane, I, I think are some of the top things that we're all thinking about right now. So it's a timely time to have, to have a conversation like this. So again, appreciate uh, the, the platform here. Definitely, definitely. We're in uncomfortable times and it now is more time than ever to be talking about uncomfortable things. And now more and more people are talking about mental health and the importance of mental health, especially with what's happening. So let's dive right in and talk about nootropics. Like, what was your mission statement of starting it? Why? Like, what is going on here? Share with me. <laughs> So it might be helpful to just set some context. So sure. uh, my background, well, just even zooming all the way back, I grew up, I'm a California kid, grew up in Los Angeles, ended up going to Stanford to study computer science. And in the computer science program at Stanford, I met my eventual business partner with HVMN, Michael Brandt. Grew up in Chicago and uh, he's also kind of a, kind of a, on, on one hand, kind of an artsy, uh, he ended up, you know, early part of his career actually teaching at the Art Academy in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But I think what tied us together was this notion that we can enhance ourselves, that humans were not this perfect entity that were unimprovable. And especially during the time that we were contemplating some of these early ideas in 2013, 2014, uh, so many of our smartest friends at Stanford were working on making computers smarter, machine learning algorithms, uh, data science to target better advertising to, to push products, right? And I think these are some, again, some of these themes that is now coming back in 2020, where we're talking about the impact of social media on our mental health. But it was really at that time when some of my smartest friends were working at these big, eventually tech platforms and like really just the best advertising companies if you talk about their business model making computers better essentially um so we really wanted to think about how could we apply the same engineering principles to making humans better mm-hmm. and obviously there's multiple aspects or attributes of what makes us human and cognition our intelligence is one very important aspect and that's where nootropics or cognitive enhancers really target uh Nootropics is an umbrella term for compounds that enhance certain attributes of cognition, like reaction time, long-term working memory, uh, uh, processing volume, uh, all sorts of things that you can actually measure and, and can actually be manipulated and improved. So I think one of the interesting things when you talk about human performance, uh, it's easy to kind of throw your hands up and say, I don't know. It, it, it's too hard to understand why LeBron James is the best basketball player or why is someone the best sprinter. But if you actually boil it down all these attributes into measurable tactical attributes, like again, reaction time or foot speed or how much weight you're pushing uh, down your calf as you're sprinting, these are all very measurable and all very improvable. Mm-hmm. So that was the approach that we had with health via modern nutrition. Uh, we want to 
build, enable better humans through metabolism, through nutrition. And one thing that we really think about the modern health or sorry, the modern food environment is that modern health or modern nutrition oftentimes is associated with processed preservatives, uh, very, very calorically dense, but very nutriently empty. Uh, and we want to reclaim modern nutrition, taking the best science, the best engineering principles, apply that to our nutrition and really take our nutrition to the next level. And I think a lot of it is combining the best ancestral knowledge of what has worked over the millennia mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then tie that with the latest science in metabolism and physiology. And that is kind of the dual principles that we take in terms of what we uh, work on at HVMN. Love this, love this. And um, my background is cross-country running. So I learned about short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. My father turned me on to cross-country running. So I know about mind, body, spirit, and what you put into your body, and like preparing yourself mentally, you know, and, and all, all of those things, hydration. So um, with the nootropics that you created, um, where are they sourced from? Uh, they're sourced from... Well, I guess the way we think about it is that in the umbrella term of nootropics, there's uh, different types of things that can impact cognition. So we look at things that can benefit chronic long-term memory, right? So these are more chronic uh, long-term habitual use products. And then there's more acute products that can give you a short-term boost. So you know, one of our most popular nootropics is uh, a product called Rise, and there's three core ingredients in Rise. There's Bocopa Maneri, which has a tradition in Ayurvedic medicine, mm -hmm. and uh, it's an adaptogen. But I think what is most compelling for me personally is that there's randomized controlled trial data in healthy humans showing enhanced long-term memory capacity improvements versus placebo, right? And the mechanisms there is increased neurogenesis, the growth of new neurons, so neuro... Uh, uh, neuron growth factor actually increases with this intervention. Uh, so to me, it's a very interesting compound ingredient because there is this long-term history of use uh, in humans, but also that modernity of randomized controlled trials that actually validate that this is not just a placebo effect, right? This Got is it. not just something that you're fooling yourself. Uh, some of the other sources or other ingredients within RISE also include ashwagandha, which has, ashwagandha. Yeah, which is another popular adaptogen with Ayurvedic tradition. But one of the, again, from a scientific perspective, really good data around lowering cortisol and some of the impacts that uh, sort of acute stress that, uh, that, that, prevent, that sort of accelerates cognitive decline. So can we resolve that question? And then lastly, uh, one of the key components of healthy brain function is uh, enough acetylcholine, which is the neurotransmitter associated with learning, right? So acetylcholine and what does what is acetylcholine made of? Well, there's the choline in acetylcholine, which is found in uh, different nutritional sources, but oftentimes it might be hard to get enough choline just through diet. Mm -hmm. So we have a special form of choline called CDB choline uh, or cytocholine, which is a very bioavailable form to have a uh, very high quality uh, bioavailable choline also 
as part of that stack. So when we develop these stacks or combination of nootropics, we really look at the synergies and the, and the combination that makes sense to uh, provide in a specific product. So it's pretty silly for me to say, but so when you wake up, it's the first thing you do, you take a rise. I'll probably, yeah, drink some water first and then, yeah, rise. And then you like- You have the rise before yeah, your and, coffee. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's like- Yes. Um, but like, you know, some of the things that I, I found very helpful um, is I also try to just get some sunlight. I mean, I think you, in, in this video, wow. you see a lot of sun coming in yeah. here. And I think one of the things especially now is that because we don't really have like, we don't have to go outside right now, right? Like a lot of us are working from home, right? Mm -hmm. And by just forcing myself to have our circadian rhythm where I'm like, okay, I'm going to like go outside. I'm going to go to my rooftop and get a little bit of sun as I oh, wake yeah. up. Oh, that yeah. has been helpful just as much as it's been helpful to have nootropics and rise. Uh -huh. and, and I think one of the things that we were talking a little bit about is that when I have my coffee, yeah, I have MCT, you know, powered coffee, right? So I think yeah. it's like the nutrition and the lifestyle that synergizes really well together. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to just say, hey, eat these things and you're going to be no. great. I think it's like dialing your diet, but also dialing your lifestyle. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, vitamin D is definitely super important. My sister got me one of those lights, you know, for like when it's not in California, you know, for my place in New York, uh, one of those lights that give you the same light as, as like a vitamin D would. Yeah. Um, um, so, okay. So we have the, the rise, you know, I have it, but I need, I need to, I need to like be consistent with it. So can you sometimes take it and sometimes not, or do you have to like always be consistent taking the rise? The best results are to, uh, be consistent while you're on rise. So like daily use for like, I would say two month blocks. Some people like cycling off, off of rise, like two months on, one month off, two months on, one month off to give some, like most things in biology, you don't want over adaptation towards any single stimulus. So I, that's the way I would, I would approach it if I were to look at just like a more holistic long-term protocol. Yeah. And then, so um, if you have the rise and then with the, the MCT, you have the hazelnut, you have chocolate, you have uh, four different flavors, right? Yeah. And I think we actually launched two more in, in uh, the last few months. We have a coconut cream and a hazelnut, but yeah, it's, uh, we have a chocolate, a vanilla, a salted caramel, so, and, and, and a flavored. So it's been fun. I mean, it's been, it's been kind of crazy. Like uh, that business line has tripled in the last so, nine months. So you can not only have it in your coffee, your smoothies, but you could bake cookies with it or, you know, bake cakes with it, right? Can you, you can just put it in anything pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in your cereal or your oatmeal. Yeah. I mean, I just made it. I mean, uh, the, the keto hardcore people will kind of will bust me on this, but I made some really awesome some keto collagen hazelnut uh, waffles this last Yum. weekend. It was great. I mean, Yum. anything that's you want a little bit of extra collagen and high quality C8, you know, medium chain triglyceride propylic acid, it just it just gets like a little bit of a boosted keto uh, macro profile to whatever you're making and baking and it bakes really well. So yeah, I think that's one of the use cases that we thought of when we're really focused on the product quality because there are other MCT or oil powders out there. But they, when we were playing around with this, when we we're doing R&D, this is a couple of years ago, like they clump a lot, they don't bake really well, they don't blend very evenly. So it's just like you uh -huh. might get the macros in there, but it's like not really delivered in a way that makes sense for a lot of like the actual real users, right? Like you want something that just really easily blends into your coffee, right? Yeah, like you don't want to have a yeah, clumpy right. dust yeah. ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with the brand Navitas? No. They're vegan. So they have this protein powder and literally I'll just like make pancakes with it. But uh, I haven't made pancakes in a while, but I'm going to try to do it with the MCT oil. I'm going to make some pancakes or even put it in the French toast mix. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah let me know. So for 
you know, the viewers who aren't keto, who aren't hip to keto, who aren't going to be keto, you know, and they're newer to MCT oil, you know, because I actually have seen some people who have products and it says MCT, but there's things in it that's not pure. So what do you want the viewers to know because I know yours is super clean. So for the people who don't know, like when you're getting a pure MCT oil, what do you want to make sure that it doesn't have in it? Because, you know, they, they add those secret things, natural flavors and things like right. that. So with your background, can you share so people can be educated and know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question. And and I get and something to really focus on. So for folks who are just entering the keto and they're just confused, like I don't know what is keto? Why do I even want to do this? I mean, I think to maybe answer the, the broad question and then answer the specific question and what are some of the, like the adulterants or, or things that you don't want in, in some of the cheaper products out there. The whole premise of keto is like the way I think about it is that ancestrally consistent diets don't have refined carbohydrate intake. Like there does not exist in nature like a sugar bomb, right? Like sugar cane, if you actually been out on a sugar cane farm is like very, very hard to extract like pure sugar from. Mm -hmm. So sugar consumption has been exponential. Like there's two pounds of sugar consumed a year for the average American in the 1800s. And now that number is like closer to 200 pounds. And obviously obesity, diabetes, all these metabolic syndromes have skyrocketed since then. So one of the things that you know, we're a part of, or we, you know, I like to claim or hypothesize is that we think that to be in a, a sensible state in terms of just healthcare costs, there will have to be a shift from our current over consumption of refined carbohydrates. And it's kind of a zero sum game in the, in the sense that where do those calories go? We think those calories will go more towards healthy fats and ketones. So getting into a ketotic state. So what is this state? Well, it's just when your body is in a low carbohydrate state, it uses fat as its primary energy source. So you want to be fat burning. So meaning that instead of storing fat in your adipose tissue, can you actually more actively use and burn that fat? So you're not storing it. And for better, for worse, you know, our evolutionary taste buds and a lot of our food supply was designed to cure famine. So famine was the biggest killer of humans before the 19th century. Most of the first world, I mean, basically for most Americans, right? Like no one is starving. Of course, there are, you know, small pockets here and there. Let's not, you know, discount that. But more, but I think just generally, broadly speaking, more people are dying of diseases of overconsumption, right? Like 75% of Americans are obese and overweight. One third of Americans are diabetic. And yeah, and, and high sugar consumption is associated and drives inflammation, right? So these are not problems of famine and starvation. We've luckily solved a lot of these problems. And even if it's, it's almost like a food allocation problem, right? Like there, there's plenty of food. It's like maybe not going to the right places. And the people who have access to food are eating way too much. So the question here is, yeah. So the question here is, okay, we, we're in a world of never going to ketosis. We're never dipping into our fat reserves. So we're just accumulating fat and fat and fat, and we're never expending it. So the whole point of eating keto is to up intake your fat, healthy fat consumption, lower your refined carbohydrate consumption, and that accelerates being in a state of ketosis, which is a fat burning mode. So a lot of people will talk about being ketosis makes them feel more alert, more sharp, more clear, right? On the enhancement side of house, there's a lot of research around the therapeutic benefits of being ketosis mainly body weight composition. And it's been one of the, you know, it's a big celebrity diet. You know, I think Kim Kardashian, Halle Berry are very, very vocal about, you know, their, their ketogenic diet for body composition. And I know that I think Halle Berry 
very is diabetic and she uses keto to help control her diabetes. Mm. Um, so that's, I think, just kind of the background of what keto is. It's a natural metabolic state that our ancestors commonly dipped into as they went from feasting and famine, and they were able to use both their carbohydrate engine as well as their fat burning engine. In the modern food environment, we never run out of carbohydrates. We never switch into the fat burning mode. And that's why we get fatter and fatter and fatter. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, again, that reclamation of modern nutrition. How do we reintroduce this healthy balance of macros? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the context of why even like people should think about this. Right. And it's, and I think the easy entry point is not to say, Hey, like, slap bread out, can't eat your spaghetti, you can't eat your ramen noodles, like done. I think even just two or three. <laughs> <laughs> I think just yeah, but I think even just uh, replacing one meal, two meals, three meals a week that are keto, which is like no carbohydrate, I think puts your metabolism in the right direction. And I think that's where we're trying to broaden our approach. Yeah. Um, so it's like um, retention flows, energy goes. So if you're yeah. mindful not to put certain carbohydrates into your system and you're shifting to things that have protein in it, then yeah, it's a better balance. Yeah. So now I'll go answering a specific question. So for a lot of MCT oil powders, there needs to be something that absorbs the fat, right? So MCT is medium chain triglyceride. So when you see MCT being marketed, it is short for medium chain triglyceride. And a medium chain triglyceride is just a fatty acid. It's like a, a form of fat with, uh, and, and what are fatty acids? They're just chains of uh, carbon atoms. So medium chain is just means medium length of these fatty acid chains. So like long chain fatty acids have like 22 carbon. Carbons. Short chain fatty acids have like four carbons. Medium chain are six, eight, 10 carbons. And the most ketogenic, the most readily that the body turns into ketones, being the ketotic state, are C8. So if you're looking at a medium chain triglyceride product or MCT product, look for products that really focus on C8, caprylic acid, the mm -hmm. eight carbon link chain, because it is the most readily available that turns into ketones. And ketones. Is that what you have in your yes. product for HDMN? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's eight. And yes. And so like, for example, like coconut oil is something that's very, very popular in terms yeah. of like something that's high in MCTs. Unrefined coconut oil, right? Correct. And that's just a blend of C6, C10, uh, C8, C10, and C12. Mm -hmm. And we just like only focus on the most ketogenic form of that. Not to say like you, like there's no benefits or value of other uh, medium chain triglycerides, like for the use of spiking ketones for like a morning cup of coffee to get as much ketones and like keto energy, uh, C8 is going to do that job for you. Um, and then there's like the... And is it the in thing your body and in your mind? Like, what do people expect from it who haven't tried it yet? Do you see uh, a result right away or weeks later? Or is it different for everyone? So interesting thing is that it's similar to if folks have heard about like fasting, like just shorting, shorting their eating windows. For folks that are less metabolically flexible, meaning that they're always used to eating carbohydrate, it actually might feel a little bit worse for mm. you because it's like exercise. If you haven't exercised for a year and like, hey, go do a marathon now, you're going to feel crappy because you're just like, ah, my body's like, ah, like what? Have what, you, you ran you, a marathon? Uh... I've never done an official one, but I did 30 miles for my 30th birthday. So like my oh, first quote unquote cool. marathon was an ultra marathon, but uh, all of my colleagues are crazy weird endurance people. So like you, you would like Michael, Michael is like a big runner. I mean, he's a, what, a 245 marathon runner. Wow. Wow. So, so yeah, like a six minute, like somewhere around six minute miles for 
you know, the marathon, right? So wow, he's a serious runner. Yeah, I was doing six minute miles, but for 5k, not a marathon. Wow, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, so no, I mean, just like not like it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's like sub elitely. It's like, it's like a fairly serious runner, right? You're not like, right. gotta be pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, I think just our, like our community, like we, like a lot of our customers are like Tour de France teams and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. endurance athletes. Like we work a lot with actually Ironman champs. Um, Cause Great. I think one of the interesting things with keto, because you are fat adapted and you can use fat as a primary source of fuel. The thing with being carbohydrate driven is that you have to constantly drink Gatorade or goo shots, right? Bonk out. Exactly. So you're just eating sugar bomb after sugar bomb. I did that when I was a teenager. I was just drinking after a race. It's like I was just drinking these Gatorades, but it's just all sugar. Yeah. We just didn't know any better. I I think we were just like less. And it's actually kind of funny. One of my friends who eventually started a company called Verta Health, which is using a ketogenic diet to treat diabetes. He literally was an age group champion for an Ironman and he was pre-diabetic because he didn't know any better about like just chugging down sugar water and like sugar bars through like these races because he's very, very carbohydrate driven. Mm -hmm. But if you can be fat driven, you can... And like, we just have way more fat in our bodies than glycogen reserves. So like we store sugar in the form of glycogen, which is in our muscle or in our liver. And you have about 20, 24 hours of storage there at rest. Mm -hmm. And obviously like, I mean, I've done like multi-day fast, really pushing the, pushing my body, but like we can survive without eating for like weeks. Have you done intermittent fasting? Yeah. It's a big thing that we experiment with. So the longest fast I've done is a seven day water fast. Oh, um, but I do like a 16, 18 hour eating, sorry, fasting window on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, I I do. I'm, I'm, I'm doing intermittent fasting right now myself. Uh, The rock is really big into intermittent fasting. Um, the creator from the zero app, because I was doing it to go along with my fellow people in the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually, I did a 27 day intermittent fasting. That's the longest I've done it. I just started it a couple days ago, but I stopped it because he said in the beginning, when all this was happening in March, the, there was a podcast and on the zero app, he was going to a farm for two years with his family with non-perishable foods. And he was actually not doing intermittent fasting. Cause he says like your immune system just goes below the breaking level. And because of the immune system needing to be high and like the coronavirus and stuff, he was actually saying, it's not like a really good thing to be doing intermittent fasting right now. So he's like stopped and he's just indulging in all these foods, <laughs> but that was just kind of food for thought. So then I stopped it for a while, but I psychologically and just physically, I just, you know, your body knows, like if your body's very intelligent. So for me, I just tuned in and I actually started intermittent fasting um, on Sunday. I just did, I did a no fat, I did fasting, just water. Yeah. And then I started just intermittent fasting, um, you know, Sunday and yeah. Yeah. No, I I know the fasting team decently well. I know Kevin Rose, who was one of the big investors and Peter T, who's the chief medical officer there. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think the point there is not that fasting is bad for immunity. It's, I didn't read the article or don't know what his concerns are, but like my thought there is every single adaptation is a stressor, right? So this is a sense of hormesis. If you exercise, that damages your body acutely, but as your body adapts and, and recovers and repairs, it gets stronger for the next bout. Mm-hmm. So the question is, if you are suddenly training for a marathon, intermittent fasting, eating keto, and you're stressed out because of COVID and you're trying to find a new job, that's probably going to stress you out with too many adaptations all at once. It's going to break yeah. you. Yeah. So to me, it's if you are reasonably healthy and you're looking to improve your diet, I think it's completely fine and okay to 
adjust your diet over time. Right? There's like, I mean, honestly, there's no perfect time to do anything. Uh, it just like, I think just be sensible around not necessarily going in a seven day water fast straight out of the gate for no reason. I think maybe refinement of, of his point there is that uh, just understand the basal amount of stress and adaptation you can handle at any given point. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. don't get inspired by this conversation today and and and, and want to run train for a marathon go yeah. you know deadlift 500 pounds and eat keto yeah. and fast and you know do brain training games all at once oh my god uh, yeah. <laughs> right like yeah. take you know introduce what these interventions one at a time yeah so on now let's take it to the extreme opposite for the couch potatoes for people who just aren't actively working out they never have they're not athletes you know they're active they walk here and there but but maybe yeah. they're at an age or maybe something physically is going on with them or they're just not athletes. The nootropics that you offer and the MCT oil, it's great for your cognitive brain function. So these can still be beneficial without doing a keto diet. How can talk about the benefits of these without being maybe without coupling it with training, yeah. physical training? Yeah, I think that's just a very exciting area of research right now. Can ketogenic diet or ketones be useful for cognitive impairment, cognitive impairment, mild forms of dementia. So we're actually supplying an NIH study that's ongoing right now, looking at ketones, which is the end metabolic state of being in the ketogenic diet for mild cognitive impairment. And that's being done at, you know, some of the leading Alzheimer's dementia researchers in our country today. So that my, my, my point here is not to say that, you know, a ketogenic diet is going to necessarily uh, reverse Alzheimer's, but it is being studied in very serious academic circles. And there's very very interesting animal models as well as mechanistic arguments of why this approach works. So one of the common theories around Alzheimer's is that is Alzheimer's really a type three diabetes, an insulin resistance or a diabetes of the brain. So when you actually look at Alzheimer's brain, you actually have lower energy intake and lower glucose metabolism. So usually sugar or glucose is the primary fuel for the brain because glucose is a small molecule. It crosses the blood brain barrier and it's uh, uh, yeah, it's a very nice available source of energy. But as we consume more and more carbohydrate, we build up tolerance for glucose. And like most things, you always have uh, adaptation or a tolerance, right? Like if we are drinking a bunch of wine and we practice drinking wine for a year, we're going to not get as drunk as quickly, right? <laughs> and, yeah, right. And it just, I think it's like a very, and I, I, I use that example because I know that's like something that we all kind of understand, right? We haven't drank for a while and then boom, that we're a cheap date, right? And the same thing with glucose. If you constantly constantly drip a bunch of sugar into your system, your body builds a tolerance to sugar. So you need more sugar, more insulin to have the same amount of response. Mm-hmm. So when you actually look at the glucose uptake in a brain in very advanced Alzheimer's, there's literally not enough energy in the brain. Like it looks like the brain is starving. So the interesting thing with ketones is that it acts in a very different metabolic pathway than glucose. If you look at, if you remember from uh, high school biology, you, you might remember Krebs cycle or mitochondria. Uh, glucose goes in one, one path into the mitochondria and ketones goes into a separate path. There's early data suggesting that if you have ketones or a ketogenic diet, you can bypass that glucose dependency or tolerance that you've built up over that time and work around that glucose 
uh, block. So you can recover a lot of the brain energy deficit from going on the ketogenic diet. So that's a kind of a long-winded way of saying that reducing refined carbohydrate intake, one, which means like if you shorten your eating window, reduce kind of the sugary foods, and then and then on the converse side, things like MCT or ketogenic foods, nootropics can enhance ketone metabolism. And if you can have that one-two punch together, can you rescue brain function? So early data on animals, early, early human pilot studies suggest that that is very, very possible. And uh, excited to see and follow on the research and contribute to the research to see if this is more widely applicable and some of the early case studies can really apply towards our population. That would be that'd be awesome. Definitely, definitely. I need to have you connect with my sister because the only thing she talks about is mitochondria. It's like it's like her go-to word. She knows <laughs> yeah, she's like a genius, very smart like yeah. you. And I think you guys would really hit it off. And she's gifted me so much information about so many different things. But I would definitely love to put you two in touch. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, so, okay. So this is solely through the MCT oil and then also with the nootropics, right? Can you speak about more of the other ones? Like, or we can just, actually, if you want, we could just jump to the yawn one. Because for me, um, I'm very high strong and I have a lot of energy. And when I wake up in the morning, I don't need to have coffee. I like yeah. coffee for the flavor, the taste. And it's like that warm, like, you know, cozy, cozy thing when I'm studying or whatever like that. But I'm up and I'm doing work be- and I'll do three hours of work before I even have a coffee. Like some people like wake up and they need to have a coffee. It's their thing. It's the routine. But me, it's like. <laughs> You're a rare unicorn, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Ned, I, don't I feel like, like I feel like our society is very caffeine addicted. So, so with that being said, I get so high on a horse and I'm, I'm like, I'm at, I'm at the top of the mountains and, yep. and for me to transition to come down, like I need to have a massage, put on Tibetan music. I need to remember to take my minerals, some magnesium to kind of chill yep. out, to take a shower, to, to kind of do a sound bowl meditation or something like that. And what I do because I have to remember to do this, you know, I can't just set an alarm all the time. But if I'm like, okay, like, I want to get a deep rest tonight. And I want to fill myself up with my minerals, I'll take the yawn, which is yep. one of the HBMM products. Yep. And actually, it's the one I've taken the most. And I love it so much. Like, literally, like when I take it, I make sure that I'm not going to be on the electronics. So you know, my retina is not being stimulated yeah. with the circadian rhythm that you were mentioning earlier. And so I'll take the yawn on and literally I'll have such a deep, deep restorative sleep. It's amazing. It's, it's so great. And I'm always like, I love the product. I love the glass. I love because it's reusable too. Like you can save it and like use it for other things, but it's so classy and sophisticated. And I just, I'm just like always like rereading the ingredients, but because I don't have the bottle in front of me, if you want to share about yawn, that would be amazing for people. Cause I know it's a really, really big thing. Cause I've talked to a lot of different people sleeping. It's so hard. People have restless sleep. They can't 100%. sleep. They can't get deep sleep. Like it's really important. And, and, you know, for your neurotransmitters to be long form and healthy, you have to have a deep restful sleep. hundred percent. I think, uh, just like nutrition is, I think one of the key problems with in population health, I think sleep anxiety and sleep issues is like just another, it's a second as important, if not bigger, I don't know we can debate who, you know, what's, what is the bigger problem, but sleep issues is definitely chronic through our population. So I think, 
you're addressing some of the key points, right? Like if you're looking at LED lights, there's high blue wavelength light and that triggers, it actually blocks natural production of melatonin, which is yep. what signals sleep, right? So I think some of these things that we can do to assuage or mitigate some of the damage of modernity, I think you're spot on there. So what's exactly in Yawn? One of the key ingredients is that melatonin. But what we saw on the marketplace is that a lot of people are very simple. They're like, oh, we need more is better. So they just jam a ton of melatonin in their products. So if you look at a lot of melatonin products out there, they're like 10 milligrams, right? And yeah. if you actually look at the pharmacokinetics of melatonin, the best data suggests that you want 0.3 or 300 micrograms, 0.3 milligrams to one milligram as like the optimal dose for people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. In a lot of products, they're just like, okay, people are kind of like bigger is better, more is better. Let's just throw a bunch in there. And that actually backfires. So one, that's just getting the proper melatonin dose, I think it is, is critical. And then two, you actually don't want huge macro doses of melatonin because you don't want to, again, build habituation on yeah. huge melatonin doses. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like that's like just one thing. And I think you're talking about some of the minerals that I think are exactly what we identified. So magnesium. One is associated with sleep and relaxation, but two, most Americans are chronically under uh, deficient with magnesium. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple forms of minerals, right? You, yes. It's usually magnesium with minerals are usually in salt form, right? Sodium chloride, magnesium uh, glycinate, magnesium chloride, right? There's like different variations of how you deliver magnesium properly. So what we used in Yon was magnesium glycinate. Now, why do we choose that? Well, glycinate is just a salt form of glycine. And glycine is an amino acid that has been shown to reduce sleep time or, or uh, in the sleep latency time. So the amount of time it takes you to go to sleep, glycine is a studies done, done in Japan, reduce that latency time and increase the subjective restfulness state. We use a salt form of magnesium that, that basically doubles down on that glycine pathway. And then we also have glycine itself directly as well as L-theanine which is also shown to increase alpha waves and relaxation. So in terms of that nootropic stack, we thought of, and we were just thoughtful in terms of, okay, if you want the magnesium mineral, you got to use like the most sensible form of magnesium, the most sensible form of glycine, theanine, et cetera. Yeah. It's, for me, I always say it's like a fish being out of water. Like, like a fish needs water and it's like our body, we're depleted, like you said, of our minerals. So we need magnesium. Like we need that mineral. It's yep. super important. And then also, oh, I was also hearing during the coronavirus that it's really good to have some melatonin. It was, you know, in the, it was yeah. scientific friends. They were like, oh yeah, it's like really good to have melatonin. And then I was also informed that we only have one melatonin receptor. And so my analogy is like, if you're, if you have one melatonin receptor, you need, like you said, that 0.3 to boost it. So you'd activate your own melatonin. So then it's activating your own melatonin in a healthy way. Because if you're, you're taking, you know, five, 10, 20 milligrams of melatonin, you're knocking out your melatonin receptor. And it's just like, getting blacked out drunk, right? Yep. It's like, it's, it's, that's exactly like how I, I see it. I'm no, I think it's a person. perfect, anal- yeah, it's a super good analogy. And I think that's where I think people need to just be nuanced with biology. Like, again, our, like you talked about like the body being smart, the body being intuitive. It's like, you can't trick the, you do not, there's like no free lunch in biology, right? If you just like swarm, you get like a really huge melatonin dump. Okay, your body's like, oh, wow, we're going to have to like increase our tolerance. Same thing yeah. with alcohol, right? Like you get yeah. totally blasted, your body's like, oh, okay, that, I'm going to throw up and then I'm going to have a high tolerance now. Yeah, and we're such sensitive beings. We're resilient, but we're very sensitive, you know? Yeah. We don't need like all that stuff. It's, it's overkill, it's too 
too much. Yep. Yeah, but I know there are a lot of people out there who have big troubles with sleeping. So definitely yawn is the way to go for HBMN. Like I'm a big fan. I don't take it every single night, but maybe like three nights a week I do. Like every yep. other day or something. Or if I just, well, I just like I've had maybe a stressful day and I'm not driving. Like sometimes I've even um, taken it in the afternoon. One in the afternoon because instead of my shoulders just being like up here all of a sudden like I notice like maybe my shoulders are coming down a bit you know just it relaxes you a lot of other not a lot I've taken a couple other kind of things and one it like it blows you out if you know what I mean the flow section (laughs) and the other area is a lot of people say they wake up like really groggy like you know super groggy so with the yawn it's super clean I wake up feeling refreshed like sometimes before my alarm clock and there's no grogginess I'm like super rested I feel like I just got out of a spa it's so relaxing I love it so I'm, yeah. I'm definitely an advocate of yawn awesome and yeah you know being super like high strung and everything like that like really intense it's, it's good for people who cannot sleep uh, have a hard time sleeping need restorative sleep which we all do so we can function properly uh, yeah so that's I, I think that's like my number one thing is is the yawn right now yeah we should talk about it more to be honest I think it's one of those things where it's like maybe not as easily shareable as something that we like for example we just launched today these keto food bars right like talking about a sleep supplement is not as shareable as like a really cool interesting keto food bar but I think it's something that's so important right sleep is all all of us have to sleep and it's literally a third of our lives and if we're doing it crappily like we're, we're suboptimal for a third of our lives which is a huge compounding behavior. yeah yeah, Ariana Huffington. She's my uh, mentor. She's amazing. Yeah. Greek goddess mentor. She personally asked me to write for her for the Huffington Post yeah. and now for her platform Thrive Global. And she has a TED Talk. It's a five minute TED Talk and it's called Sleep Your Way to the Top and the yep. importance of sleep. And her mother taught her that. So it's super restorative to make sure, you know, so we're functioning as human beings that we, you know, sleep. But tell me more about these bars. Like how many bars and there's... Yeah, no, they bars. literally just launched today. So I think like... <laughs> Like we'll have like a platform or podcast first here. So we just launched keto food bars. So they come in four flavors. We have chocolate chunk. Yum. Uh, I'm gonna keep. We have vanilla shortbread, and then we have some two kind of really quirky, interesting flavors. Everything bagel, which oh. is legit like a savory, garlicky, oniony, umami, savory bar, and then a Mexican hot chocolate. So it literally has a cayenne pepper kick and, and pepitas pumpkin seeds. Oh um, God, that's so cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're one, they're certified organic and yeah. two, they just actually taste good. I think what we saw in the marketplace when we're designing uh, these bars over the last 12, 18 months was that one, all the healthy bars in the market, they actually have a ton of sugar in them. Like mm-hmm. if you just look, yeah. literally look in the black, like it's just like, they're pretty sweet. And I think, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we're pretty nerdy at HVMN. So we wear these continuous glucose monitors. So these like pseudo implants where you can install into your, into your arm and it tracks your blood sugar in real time. Wow. So wow. you can actually see like, I don't want to put any brands on blast, but you know, we were literally measuring some of the top healthy brands that you associate with like a healthy bar and they spike your sugar like a candy bar. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, you're not putting anyone on blast. I mean, if you want to educate and share, that's totally cool. I mean, that's why we're here. So yeah. I mean, so like Cliff Bar, for example, you know, it, it's something that I grew up kind of eating. And when we're just measuring the blood glucose performance, it literally spiked the blood sugar 30 times larger than what 
uh, a keto food bar spikes. Like mm-hmm. something like RX bar spiked 16 times further. So, you know, what what is blood sugar? It's like when you eat sugar, there's a huge bolus or a huge amount of sugar being dumped in your system. And then your body needs to create a bunch of insulin and store that away. And when you have a lot of high variants of blood sugar coming in and out, that's what causes inflammation because your body needs to process and put all that extra excess sugar away. And if this sugar hangs around too long, that's called diabetes. And that's why diabetics in advanced forms of diabetes literally get their limbs chopped off because their blood vessels have been so inflamed oh that there's like literally gangrene and, 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 and like muscle wasting and, and tissue degradation in advanced forms of diabetes. And there's, you have to amputate yeah. legs and, and limbs, right? It's like, yeah. And then, and just for the viewers, um, um, inflammation is the number one root cause of any disease, dis-ease, inflammation. So turmeric is amazing for anti-inflammatory. And then you were saying. Yeah, hundred percent. So again, I think like some things like turmeric, right? You can take things to mitigate the inflammation you're causing, but you go, it can also just like stop doing the activity that gave you inflammation in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Right. So avoiding like all, all these things. And I think that's kind of the premise behind our keto food bars where it's like, okay, a lot of these healthy bars actually have a lot of sugar. Let's actually make something that actually solve that problem. But then mm-hmm. two, a lot of things that try to solve this problem, I think are kind of like Franken foods. There were just like a bunch of weird synthetic sugar, sugar alcohols, weird like fibers. Um, so we only use whole food ingredients. So it's certified organic. It's, I mean, it's literally like the top four ingredients are almond butter, organic almond butter, grass-fed collagen, cacao butter, right? Like that's literally like just like something you can make in your kitchen. It tastes really awesome. And where um, can people get HVMN right now? Like the website, Amazon, where else? Right now, these just literally launched today, November 18th. So whenever this airs, we'll probably be out for a little bit. So they will roll out in other platforms soon, uh, likely e-commerce first, and then a lot of retail interest. So hopefully it will be in a local organic, you know, grocer soon. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a hookup somewhere that I could probably get into a good. Yeah, no, I need to send you, I, we're just sending out like VIP launch pack. So like we, we have, we have a a nice little package for you waiting with your name on it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I have some friends I can turn you on to too, who would be like really super fans of what you're up to and you could allow with them as well. So anyway, yeah. I can contribute and help. I was even thinking because we have a um, this comedy web series. It's improv. It's so good. And it's all about like, you know, things we're talking about and spirituality and growth and evolving and ego and, and being healthy and, and certain things. I was thinking we could even like incorporate um, some of the products, you know, like <laughs> in, in the web series. It's it's a Zoom web series. So I mean, that just came to me, but I'll talk to you more about that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sure yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's move on to um the fish oil the new tropic that has the fish oil in yeah, it Kato. Um, yeah kato yeah that's actually my favorite one actually okay my so, personal favorite okay so it's actually one of my personal favorites too the yawn and that one so the yeah. thing is um where my laptop is where where my makeshift office is i have it right on the counter so i look at it and i make sure my brain function is optimal because i'm on the computer i'm doing things and i just want to be clear and fresh and i know how important fish oil is so if you want to share about that one specifically and you know who would be good for that would be awesome yeah so one of the considerations when we looked at Cato 
which is which is, is, is actually like the, the kind of the funny thing about the name is it stands for K antioxidant and uh, which we chose as was astaxanthin, which is found in uh, berries as well as uh, krill oil, and D is for vitamin D, and then O is for omega three. So it's kind of like a backronym in terms of like the core ingredients for why we chose Kato or that, that that name. Let's go, I guess, backwards first. Like the the star of the show here is the omega three or the fish oil. So why do mm-hmm. people like fish oils, or why is this like kind of a, people think it's generally healthy? Well, if you look at the types of fat we consume, ancestrally we eat a lot more grass-fed animals and seafood compared to seed oils or plant oils. So plant oils oftentimes have a lot more omega-6 content, which is a different type of fatty acid than omega-3 content. So in early human uh, diets, you had like a more of a one-to-one ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. And now in the standard or kind of the common diet today, because we have a lot more seed oils or vegetable oils, omega-6, omega-3 ratio is very, very extreme. It's like upwards of 20 to one now. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of Americans don't have access to like seafood and like grass-fed beef and kind of these more expensive or exotic fresh ingredients, which is again, uh, again, we should have availability for these things. So that's why there's a lot of emphasis and good positive of data around, okay, if we can rebalance our omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, that's more ancestrally consistent, that likely leads to better health outcomes. So that was kind of the, one of the pre, like, like kind of starting working propositions developing Cato. And then secondly, as we looked at specific uh, for nootropics or cognitive function, there's two main forms of omega-3. There's DHA and EPA. And DHA is the form of omega-3 that is the main building block of brain cells, neuron uh, cell membranes. So there's a lot of early data with uh, you know supplementing ba- newborn babies with a lot of DHA in omega-3s. And actually, like very early versions of baby formula did not have omega-3. And those babies had neurological issues as they grew oh, up because wow. they did not have uh, omega-3 content. Was in that them. in the 50s, 60s, or 70s, you know, or all? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically like kind of early when people got off of breastfeeding, like mm-hmm. that, those are some of the early data there. And so that's why we chose like in our Cato, there's a very, very high ratio of DHA to EPA. So typically in just normal fish, uh, there's more EPA than DHA. So in Cato, we specifically up ramped up the DHA content. And one of the things that synergizes really well with omegas is antioxidants or astaxanthin. So one of the reasons why krill oil is very popular compared to just standard fish oil is the astaxanthin content. So we made sure we had like a proper amount of astaxanthin, which is one more consistent with how one consumes omega-3s or fats in nature. But two, one of the things that is risky or something that could be to look out for is that these omega-3s are very delicate and can get rancid or oxidized really quickly, meaning that they kind of go bad. So if you have antioxidants, it prevents the omega-3s from going rancid or, 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 or sort of rotting. So that's mm-hmm. something that you want to think about is not to like eat rotten fish oil, right? Yeah, like, it, which is yeah, not good. And then vitamin D and vitamin K too. So one of the interesting things when you look at D and K is that yeah. D and K are fat soluble. So they transmit really well when you have fat content, when you consume these micronutrients. And then uh, vitamin K2 and vitamin D3 synergize really well together. So some of the uh, kind of the superfoods like natto, which is fermented soybean, and it's like a Japanese fermented soybean, very high in K2 and, and D3. So that, that's like a very common pairing in nature. And when you look at uh, supplementation of K2 and D3 together, you get added benefits in either alone. And a lot so, of people don't know that when they take their 
vitamin D, they need to couple it with the K2. So many people do not know this. Yeah, I I think that's like a, yeah, I don't know. No one teaches you this. Yeah, like it's normal for you. And I know about this because I was taught, you know, from my sister. She taught me this. But like my grandmother, who's 91 years old, like she goes to the doctor and we send her like, yo, you have to have this with, I, I send it, you know, and she has to talk to her doctor about it. Fine. Okay, fine. But, and you know, she's at the age and when you get to a certain age, you're stubborn. You don't want to, you only, some people only want to do what their doctors, you know, tell them and they get to a certain age, you know, yeah. where it's like, they may be, you know, on the 50, 60, 70, but they're not like hip to some of the things we're saying here, you know, and their doctors don't even know some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been one of the interesting things about speaking and working with doctors is that you, you talk to your primary care practitioner, you, you ask them how many hours of nutrition lectures they have all of medical school. And they'll say they had four lectures, four hours of nutritional training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not because I don't think doctors are trying to not know about nutrition. It's just not the emphasis in Western standard medicine these days. Yeah. And then two, they're, they're so busy just processing and going through the billing system and the healthcare system where they're just like coding, like, okay, yeah. you know, I need to give you this prescription. I get paid this much. I need to code it to this healthcare insurance. And like, I'm kind of like a technician here. In the system and not for the people. Yeah. So different. Exactly. So I think, I mean, it's, I don't know how to solve this problem, right? I've literally been talking to doctors and healthcare administrators, just like the incentives, like you need to incentivize people somehow, but it's like, I think the doctors want to help the patient, but they literally can only talk to them for 10 minutes. And it's just like, if you have 10 minutes to treat a patient, it's like, all right, like, all right, what's the easiest way to like get paid and like write your prescription. They're not trying to ask you about like your diet and nutrition and get to know you. And it's based on what you tell them. And sometimes you don't even know what you're telling them because you don't know what is going on. And it's like, you need someone to help you get to the root of what's going on and then they want to give you some big bill and then there's all this anxiety and fear so it's like we're not getting to the root of the solution <laughs> yeah which is a sad flywheel right so you almost feel like you don't even want to tell them all your problems because you're gonna get a bigger bill and then just like this <laughs> weird issue where it's like yeah. you can't even trust your doctors anymore and it's, again it's like it's a weird system where like i talk to doctors that they want to help people i don't think that doctors are like oh i'm i'm just here to like not help people like clearly there's a lot of training a lot of effort to even qualify for med school and, and they're really smart people but it's just like the system is not designed to actually care for the human yeah yeah so with that being said um i feel for me personally the keto is something good for me to take every single day for my brain function that's one where i would where i'm like i don't take it every day i'm like four or five times a week but that's one where i want to be like yeah i want to be at my optimal for my brain function so yeah i mean i do you think that's okay to be taking it every day that's totally fine you can't like overdose on any of these things no yeah no i mean especially with keto it's very very well established in terms of getting the ome- right omega-3 omega-6 ratio is like just sensible uh-huh. like we're chronically overdoing omega-6 so you we're just like fighting the good fight to like to help rebalance the force if you will yeah yeah. So is there anything else you want to share? No, I think I think we covered it there. I mean, yeah, just personally, I think it's one of my personal favorites. I mean, I think omega threes, another thing is like it's a really good anti inflammatory. And I think you touched it upon is? that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it was a good anti inflammatory. I didn't yeah. know that one. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, and the other thing is they're just I love the color of them and like how <laughs> they feel. They're like so small and they're just so easy to take with water. There is there's nothing in your mouth. It's just like, what is it? So it's a it's a 
vegan little capsule and they're not even like long capsules. They're like round, like a little ball actually. Yeah, like little diamond shaped little gem things. Um, Yeah, I mean, the color is not like we made it colorful. It's just, it's literally astaxanthin. It's that, mm-hmm. that antioxidant that's filled in krill, right? Like that's so why orange, krill is like kind of orange and and reddish that that's literally just what astaxanthin color is and uh, you think the kind of the special sauce is a little bit of peppermint oil so it's not oh. like so so that's what makes it like a little bit pleasant it's not like weird fish burps oh okay okay yeah yeah got it got it yeah so I'll sometimes yeah. i have a water and then i'll like a burp and it's like a like a peppermint kind of thing yeah is um, it peppermint is it like yeah. a peppermint? yeah but yeah. i like it it's like weird yeah. I, like- <laughs> <laughs> I like it yeah okay so uh, moving on to uh, i have a funny story about this one but <laughs> sprint so the sprint, right? I'm a cross country runner. So I'm all about the long distance. I have never been a sprinter. And with my personality and the way that I am, honestly, like, let's talk about the sprint, but I definitely have a funny story for you. (laughs) Yeah. So sprint as a name, uh, kind of hints at is our acute nootropic. So it's really built around a caffeine L-theanine stack. So we all know what caffeine is. It's the most classically used stimulant out there. Two billion cups of coffee are consumed a day. So one of the interesting things is that if you stack L-theanine, which is an amino acid found in green tea, it actually smooths out the caffeine profile. So like subjectively, that's why when people drink tea, they sometimes talk about being a little bit more smooth or consistent off of a tea versus just straight black coffee. So that is often uh, sort of credited towards L-theanine content. So there's been a number of studies showing that a two to one ratio of theanine to caffeine is oftentimes optimal for cognitive performance or cognitive, cognitive focus. So the way I kind of think about it is that we give you kind of the boost of caffeine, but we attenuate a lot of the downsides through the L-theanine content. So Sprint is just like a super solid, properly ratioed L-theanine caffeine stack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe in the near future, I'll just try taking one. So I had an experience <laughs> that I had to share with you because it's kind of really funny. So I stayed the night at my girlfriend's house. One night, I thought I had the yawn with me. And oh, because God. they're clear and they're both white and I didn't look at the bottle because I, you know, I t- I'll just pop two yawn. I popped two sprints and literally I was... She was sleeping and she got up at 6 a.m. to go to work. And I'm literally like, (laughs) I was up the whole entire night. My mind was just going like this. And I was so excited and I just couldn't stop. Like I was just like this for hours, like, like five. I mean, it works. The sprint really works. But like, there was no way I was going to sleep. There was no way I was going to sleep. We laughed about (laughs) it. We seriously laughed about it. It was the funniest thing. It's one of the, it's like one of the, funniest things I've done in a very long time. Yeah, I was just like, I was so jacked. I wasn't jittery or anything, but I was, my mind was just so alert, like so alert. But you know, when you're wanting to sleep at one, two, (laughs) three, four in the morning and not be alert, but I just like, and I was at my girlfriend's house. So I didn't want to like get on my laptop and like, I don't know. I just, I didn't like, you know, but I was just, it was just, it was insane. And I just couldn't even believe that I did that. But, but uh, Sprint is amazing um, for people who need it. And a lot of people need it, right? A lot of people need yeah, it. Yeah, just don't take it at midnight and accidentally pull oh a little nighter. I'm sorry, we probably ruined the next day for you, but it was just like. No. <laughs> 
No, I was up all day. I was fine. I was totally fine. It didn't ruin the next day for me. I was on the go. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, but it's like, I mean, that's just, that's, yeah, it's funny. Don't mix, don't mix them on accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was, it was quite the experience. I'll never forget it. And I'm like, oh, I, I, could, I just couldn't wait to tell you about it. <laughs> that's funny. I, I just can't imagine like, just having to like just like lie there while your brain is racing for six hours that's that's like a form of torture (laughs) at at, at my friend's house it wasn't even like i was at my place where i could you know but watch something or yeah do something yeah yeah it it was funny um so sprint is good for people who need to do all those kind of things um so for me like if I were to be getting on a plane, it wouldn't be good for me to have that because I'm so sensitive. So for me to have a sprint, I would have to make sure I didn't have coffee with it. Like I wouldn't be able to have a sprint and a coffee. But if I need to be very alert and attentive, for example, like I love writing on Thrive Global and I'm a batcher. So if I want to do five articles in a row, it would be good for me to be able to take one sprint and then get in the zone and then one after another and just go. Because a lot of the kids, they were taking the um, Adderall, right? To be able to focus for school and doing coffee. So I think an alternative for people who are wanting to take a prescription pill, Sprint is organic and it's clean and it's a way for you to still have that same uh, beneficial aspect without doing the prescription drugs. I've never done the Adderall. I've just seen movies and friends and heard stories of why people take it and it's very addictive. So I think uh, Sprint would be a healthy alternative for anyone who's listening to this and want it or maybe suggest it to one of their loved ones. 100%. I think one of the things we actually we talked about was declaring quote unquote war on Adderall as we're introducing Sprint. What is Adderall? Adderall is a legal prescription version of amphetamines, which is speed, right? Like, and like Adderall is a proprietary salt of amphetamines. So it's a, it's a very powerful, potent drug. And, uh, you know, definitely there's some use cases for something that powerful, but I think, I think we need to ask ourselves and I don't have a judgment on like the role or non-role of whether things are legal or not illegal should be recreational or not recreational. Just like, just use the tool for the job, right? Like we don't necessarily need a machine gun to like of a, of a compound to do our homework, especially not like every single day. And I think that's where I'm kind of concerned from just a population society level where we're getting a bunch of kids on speed. Yeah. And like, and oftentimes they can't get off of it if they're just on speed for like 10 years, like your brain chemistry is permanently altered. Yeah. Yeah. And then also some people who I've seen in live person who I know that are on it, they're so agitated and like they, they cut you off and they don't let you have a word in. And so I haven't done the sprint too many times, but I, I've only, I've actually only done the sprint twice. I've taken it twice, yeah. but I didn't have an agitation with it. And when it like wears off, it's like a green tea where it's like a natural wear off where there's not like a jittery effect afterwards or like this abrasive thing that I've seen people who are on Adderall, their behavioral actions. Yeah, yeah. And that's just like, it's just a small, small slice of what I've seen and experienced myself. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh, like, again, I think kind of just maybe this is the engineer in me speaking here is that you have to just use the right tool for the job. And I think us as a nutrition or a product company, like we want to just provide really, really good tools for people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I love the work that you and your partner are doing. I'm so happy that your company is around HBMN. I'm a big fan supporter. And then how was, this is off, this is just like going full circle. Like how many years um, were you at Stanford? Uh, four years. So a uh, typical undergraduate program. I was actually kind of funny story, either going to, uh, there's like a program for can kind of jam in your master's degree with an extra year. I had like an extra quarter or two that I could have gotten my master's, but then was either going to do a PhD in computer science at Princeton, go work at Facebook or start up my first company. And I kind of decided to randomly start my first company because at the time, $170,000 out of college seemed like an, like an insane amount of money. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, objective is like a pretty sizable amount of money to like start a company with, but that's what kind of brought me down that entrepreneurial journey. Just like kind of, oh, like people are, would give like a random college Stanford graduate it like uh, some money to like start a company. Wow. Like Silicon Valley is kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I'm really big into Dr. Joe Dispenza, Braden. Um, Who are your favorite scientists and go-to people when you want to up yourself on information of what's going on, like the pulse of science, Hmm. biology? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the scientists I speak with on a more regular basis are not necessarily like public figures per se, Mm -hmm. but I think just within the keto space, I think someone like a professor, Peter Hesbol has been doing some of the best human physiology work and ketosis for a lot of endurance athletes. What's his name? Uh, Peter Hesbel. He's out of Belgium. Oh, H-E-S-P-E-L. Okay. But like folks that, you know, might be more familiar names. I think Dr. Rhonda Patrick found my fitness. She's great. She, I think, is very, very focused on the literature and the science. So she interviews. She has a great podcast that talks a lot about uh, uh, kind of nutrition, metabolism, longevity, a lot of the same topics I'm interested in. I mentioned Dr. Peter Atia. He's like chief medical officer for, uh, for the Zero Fasting app. He has a great program. And I think he's also really tuned into metabolism, longevity, uh, ketosis. So those are some of the, I think on, on the popular side, some of the resources that I like to track. But I think if for folks who just want to go directly to the source, like I, I like just reading PubMed and, and the actual research papers, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes like the academics that are writing these papers, you'd be surprised you think, oh, they're a busy professor, but they're probably would love to hear from you and me that and someone's then, actually reading their work, Okay, right? and then for the people who don't know, where would you go find these papers online? How can you find these papers? Yeah, so there's yeah. like a website called PubMed, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. just Google PubMed and it's like a little, it's like a web portal where you just literally can search for all the peer-reviewed papers published in medicine That's in, so in, cool. in physiology. Yeah. So if you want to like look up ketosis papers, you literally type in keto and then like there's like probably 10,000 papers. Yeah. But, and then you can like plant a seed and reach out to these people. And that's how the organic natural mentorship and relationship happens when you actually reach out to these people and say, hey, I read your work. I honor your work or I have a question about this or, you know, like that to develop. A yeah. And I, and I think that's like the cool I mean, I hope, you know, I've had a good experiences where oftentimes a lot of academics, no one reads their work, right? Like, it's just like, I, I, for better, for worse, I think a lot more people would love to listen to our conversation than read a dry white paper published by some like Stanford professor and like they're in a, in a grad student. It's just like the, the way the world works. But like, I think just like, we want people to enjoy this conversation. I think every person wants their work to be seen. So I think just reach out. I think people are very, very open to the chat. I think, oh my God, I'm not going to do it, but 
but I just thought like if there was a podcast that called it was called Pub Med Podcast, and it's someone who literally like honored the writer, and they're like, it's from <laughs> this school, and here it is, and then you just like read about it, then people would listen because people would be more in tune to listening to actually go and read, right? So that could be an idea for someone to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's sometimes I think it is sometimes hard to read too dense like like academic literature, but yeah, that would be a valuable service. Just breaking down, like we as taxpayers, we fund a lot of this research, and and I think it's it's a shame that like none of, like none more of us are like using the knowledge that is being produced at our top universities at NIH at these top research institutions and try to apply these things in a way that's relevant for day-to-day happiness and day-to-day living. Well, it's nice that we're talking about this because, you know, it's what you said is what you said, but then there's the people who don't know also. So the people who don't know, now they have a slice of knowing. And, you know, I have a lot of artists, um, entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and, you know, for a voiceover actor, for an actor, it would be a great place for them to go do research. I just went out for a film last week. She was talking about, you know, Apollo and these different astronauts and different Mm. situations that happen. And so like there could be different websites and articles that I could look up for more research. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio and all the best actors, they go to places and they actually, you know, go and do the research. So these are these are smart ways to do research on different topics, whether you're an artist or just an interested human being, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's literally like a government service, right? Like the government needs to like collate all their research papers. So it's literally like a government little search engine just for all the peer-reviewed physiology, biology research, which is which is awesome. And then another thing that's really, really cool that I don't know if you know about it or not, it's called Overdrive. Do you know about Overdrive? Not familiar. Okay, so there's Overdrive, there's Hoopla, and there's Freegal. And it's their apps, and they're all through the library. So you just download the apps, you put in your library card and whatever number is associated, and you can download up to 30 audiobooks every single month for free. Hoopla, if it's not on Overdrive, like all these, all these books you can think about. And if it's not on Overdrive, you can go to Hoopla. Hoopla has TV shows, some documentaries. And Freegal, it's free legal. It's Freegal, F-R-E-E-G-A-L. Yep. And it's like, it's like they have a deal with Sony. So if like Kendrick Lamar or Kesha or whoever has like the newest albums coming out, you can download them in their MP3 so you actually get to keep them. But like for me, I'm a fanatic of like education and learning. And like I love reading, yeah, but sometimes it's just like a lot, right? So I'll just listen to these audiobooks on overdrive and I love holding a book I love obviously having a book I have the course in miracles right now it's a 600 page book that I'm trying to get through here um, but the overdrive it's so great and it's free it's through the library so so that's why I like to have this platform to share information with people and to educate them because I mean I honestly feel like education you know should be for everyone and so this is a way for people to find out about those kind of things but hopefully you know you'll check out the overdrive and you can find out some more research. Yeah, I mean, there. that sounds awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, like, I, I'm gonna check that out. Like 30 yeah. free audiobooks, man. Okay, so that's you have 30 free audiobooks 
per month on Overdrive. Now, if you want to read them off a Kindle, like an, a Kindle or whatever, yeah. you do the eBooks instead of the audio. You do the eBooks, and it automatically checks it out um, from Amazon, and then automatically it takes it away after 21 days, like you're in a library. And so you can do you can. That makes it sense, right? Like tablet. libraries, like yeah, that's genius, right? Like we should. You get some, I'm glad someone's modernizing the library, right? Like I don't want to yeah. go to the San Francisco Public Library right now. Yeah. But hey, like a digital library makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Cool. So speaking of books, um, you know, to, to kind of hone it in and wrap it in here, what are your um, favorite go-to books? It can be in your profession. Um, it could just be some a passion of yours or something that's inspired your journey or choice along the way as a spiritual human being, something that's impacted you. If you could suggest a book or two to the viewers, that would be really neat. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe I'll, I'll suggest checking out the immortality key. So I recently met the author, Brian Murarescu, and he's, so the, the premise of the immortality key is tracing back some of the early rites of paleo-Christianity and the Greek illusion mysteries, which were these kind of like very mystical ceremonies that Roman emperors like Marcus Aurelius or Plato, these philosophers like went through and had like these life-changing experiences. And he's relating that to some of the most recent research in psychedelics or psilocybin around yep. how people are finding religion from psychedelics. So I, I, mean, I think it just recently just made the New York Best Times a best-selling list. Uh, super interesting. I think it's just a, a, a journey through both like, the Greek classics as well as uh, archaeochemistry and just like actually applying lens of science. Can we find uh, archaeological evidence of psychedelics and early uh, rites of beer or wine? which I think is super interesting. Like microdosing? Uh, so I think the most aggressive uh, thesis proposed is the original Eucharist. Is that, uh, is that Jesus's blood? Is that really wine? Or was that a psychedelic wine with, with mushrooms or, or LSD or Ooh, some other rather spiked crazy stuff? So, cool. and like, you know, I, I, yeah, I think, so I think that was just kind of a mind opening from a possibility perspective, but also it made religion more, actually more human to me if that was really the origins of religion. Because, I think when we read these spiritual books in 2020, it's like, oh, like I don't know if I really like literally believe in like a talking burning bush or, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's like, it, it reads like a Lord of the Rings novel to me, right? It's just right. like, just as kind of fantastical, right? I don't want to be blasphemous, but it's like, you know, little, if you don't think about it too hard, it's like, oh, a talking bush or a talking dwarf. It's like, you know, is it Zeus or, or whatnot? It's yeah. all kind of like arbitrary, but if it's like, oh, maybe some of these visions or these experiences really like amplified through psychology psychedelics oh I, I can actually like relate to that a little bit more personally like, oh like I, I get now that like the human experience of how some of these prophets or early you know religious leaders were like really processing information at a, at a very different dimension or, or, or level and okay yeah. like I can now see like how they have, might be like kind of divine uh, you know thoughts and instructions really? so that that I think was like the most interesting part of just like this is like it humanizes religion a little bit more I love that I love that um, and we now Naturally produce DMT in our brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm Greek, by the way. 
Okay. Yeah. So I'm curious. I mean, have you heard of like the, yeah. So I think it was interesting because the author like could read ancient Greek and he was really comparing Dionysus, the wine God with a lot of the same uh, parallels with Jesus or like, it, again, it might sound kind of weird at first, but a lot of the language, at least in the ancient Greek, uh, the son of God, that's like a very common nickname for Dionysus, the wine God of Greece. I obviously mm-hmm. Jesus people describe as the son of God and they both share wine as mm. some of their earliest miracles, right? Like wine miracles was Dionysus's thing. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like first miracle in the, in the gospel of John was like turning water into wine. So it was like very interesting to just trace yeah. uh, the Greek uh, epics and some of these like stories about their deities and how they translated into early paleo Christianity. Yeah, I actually, um, I love going to Greece and one of the ruins um, on the island of Noxos was Dionysus. I went to like yeah. a bu- one of his ruins there. I'm actually, my mom sent me an app. It's the King James version of the Bible. So I actually started reading it because I read the Bible here and here, but I, there and here and here, but I haven't like read it all the way through. So I actually started Genesis two Sundays ago and I listened to all 50 chapters in a row and now I'm on Exodus. So like yeah. I'm on chapter like 34 of that but I'm gonna now that you planted that seed when I'm listening and I'm, I'm coming up to these things I'm gonna I'm gonna implement that but I'm definitely gonna check out that book and get it and um, tell my sister about it too but I'm definitely gonna yeah. hopefully it's on audio and I'm gonna read it or I'm gonna listen to it right away yeah yeah, no, I think especially from the Greek tradition, Greek background, I think it's especially interesting. Apparently, it's like the book of John that had some of the most interesting, like like what the author posited was that it was designed for a Greek audience. Like mm-hmm. all the language and the metaphors were very sort of like the, the like the like the phrasings and the words were very designed for like what was at, at the time Greek culture. The translation stuff is also just interesting, where uh, he was just like really citing just details where when you, when people discussed communion, it was like you eat. Uh, you know Jesus' body and drink Jesus' blood, but like the actual Greek word is like gnawing and munching, hmm. which is like a very different like connotation than just like eating and drinking for yeah. communion, right? So it's just like I think some of these details, which is lost in translation. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's like fascinating to be able to, and, and again, like it's interesting to apply that lens to history, right? Like there's so many things lost in translation to as you're missing through languages. And I think it's like kind of the same approach as we're applying to like the future with nutrition. Like there's so many layers of information that can be lost. Uh, yeah. And if you can actually read the source material, you can actually interpret, understand better. Yeah. In addition, have a clear mind and body and spirit through the nootropic so you know when things are getting lost in translation lost in translation at least we're at our optimal places when we're you know exchanging experiences and energies with one another instead of it being diluted and clouded with all the processed crap right so it can be like the ultimate truth right 100 yeah any any other uh last book you want to mention um maybe from your childhood Something that was a mentor maybe turned you on to? I think some of the more interesting, I guess, more on the philosophical side, I think... I've uh, another place that I I found was interesting to kind of explore was uh, reading Zen Cohen's so like Zen Buddhist Cohen's like these like very like dense very like almost like poet poetic nuggets of anecdotes that like don't really make sense mm-hmm. um, and then comparing some of the uh, 
I, I think the meaning behind these Zen koans with the meditations of Marcus Aurelius, who is a Roman emperor, but also like a, a very famous Stoic. And I think it's interesting that both in Western philosophy and in Eastern philosophy, I feel like they've both in Stoicism and Zen Buddhism, they've found some level of truth from very, very different traditions and very, very di different backgrounds, right? And I think for Marcus Aurelius, it's like, how do you handle stress and anxiety as a Roman emperor who's being invaded by barbarians and you're trying to like hold on to your empire and you're just stressed out? And how do you rationalize out of like that kind of uh, that, that very scary emotional existence? And then I think the Zen Buddhists, like thinking about that, that same level of detachment or enlightenment, how do you, uh, I think just seek wisdom without like this, like the suffering or like the distraction of like the day to day. So I I think it's like very interesting, maybe like just being overly philosophical right now, but I think through lockdown pandemic, we definitely have a little bit of time to self-reflect and think yeah. about our life philosophy yeah. and our and, and the aesthetics of how we want to live. And I think we can make them up as we go, or I think what is a wiser path is try to learn, borrow, steal from like literally the smartest people in the history of humankind. Seriously. Like let's learn from Marcus Aurelius. Let's learn from some of the, you know, the top Zen Buddhist monks and try to tap into all those life experiences and come up with their own uh, philosophy of how we want to live. So mm -hmm. those, I think just in terms of just kind of a mental construct in terms of like applying some of the best principles of Stoicism and Zen Buddhism into just like how I want to live and, and how I aspire to live has been interesting and useful for myself. Thank you for sharing that. That's so cool. Epic. It's so epic. Yeah, the National Reset. And I hope, you know, oh, the we do have some Greek fans and listeners here. So shout out to the Greeks. And, um, you know, I hope I'm going to check out both those books and hopefully uh, the viewers will hear the books and then also look up HVMN and um, the information, the website will be in the show notes and then you're on the social media so people can look up HVMN. And one more time, what does HVMN stand for? It stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition. Nice. Very nice. Cool. Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Yeah, no, thank you, Katie. This is a fun conversation. I, yeah, it's yeah. fun to bounce around and explore. I mean, going to philosophy, religion, and back to ketosis and physiology. It was a fun conversation. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And then uh, I'm going to look forward to trying the bars and sharing them with everyone that I know. And then, you know, in the near future, whenever you're available, I would definitely love to have you back on. She's all over the place and we can have a whole new conversation. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Cool. Okay. Thank you, Jeffrey. Bye. Stay safe. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out. <laughs>